Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. My name is Allie, and today we're going to have a bonus episode where Amanda, the coalition coordinator for ACES and Avon, and I are just going to talk about some goal setting since it's the new year and a great time to do that with some of your coalitions and communities. So here's our episode about setting goals. Awesome. Let's just jump right in. So today we were talking a little bit about goal setting and just kind of talking about our personal selves and goals. And I found this fun fact that according to the U.S. News and World Report, 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February, which is right about now. Um, So 80% of people. So if you're listening out there, chances are you might have fallen off the bandwagon with whatever goals you came up with. And I found this interesting, too, just in a lot of interviews, people say that because uh, of this statistic, because they know that so many people fail, they just decide, well, then I'm just not going to set any goals. And uh, we just kind of talked about, like, is it worth it setting goals? Um, you know, if you're going to fail at them, is it should we even bother? You know that. Yeah, and we were talking about just the idea that a goal doesn't have to be achieved in a short time span. It's still good to have goals, even if it takes you a really long time to get there. It's still good to have something that you're working towards. So making realistic goals instead of not setting them at all. Um, And maybe your realistic goal is something won't happen for five years, but it's still a goal. But so what can you do in the meantime to get there? It's still worth setting smaller goals. Yeah, I think an example of that is I know a few years ago, I just decided I was going to read 10 books in the year. I was like, that's going to be my goal this year. And of course, I mean, after a couple months goes by, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to read 10 books. It's November and I haven't read that many yet. But instead, I changed my goal to I'm going to read or learn something new every day, which seems so small. Like people would just think, oh, I'm going to read, you know, a couple pages or learn one new little thing. But that little small decision now five years out, I've learned so many things. And obviously, like I've been able to accomplish reading a lot of books, but I didn't have the pressure on me for like how many. It's just I'm going to be consistent and do this little thing um, every single day. And uh, same with exercise. I don't know about you, but I I hate exercising. Yeah. I like the part after. Yeah. But I don't I don't actually like to do it. So I just broke it down to like really small things because I read this study that was like even if you do a whole bunch of little small things in a day, you don't sit down to this big, you know, exercise session. It is better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed results for myself personally in just setting a whole bunch of those, you know, little things. I don't know if you have any like similar little things that you do or just. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, same idea, just eating healthy if that's really difficult. Like, I know for me, I love sweets, so not eating dessert every night is just, like, a little tiny thing. And then once I was able to do that, then it was like, all right, I need to stop going out to eat for lunch every day. And once I was able to do that, now I can start making lunches for myself. But it's those little things where if I try to do it all at once, I will go out to McDonald's every day. So. <laughs> yeah, and I, can, I think that goes to also, like, really thinking about some of the goals that we make. Um, and I started thinking more along the lines of, like, um, you know, all the to-do lists, but 
a little bit more of like, like who do I want to be and then re- create my to- to-do list, I guess, around that. Because I think oftentimes we'll be like, oh, I'm going to stop eating this and I'm going to do this, that. But the real goal of like who I picture myself is to be a healthy person. So if I want to be healthy, what does that look like? And even for my community, if I want my community to be healthy, what does healthy look like? And let's start there before we start digging into all the specific strategies of exactly what we're going to do to to you know this year what our little goals are but the overall picture uh let's talk a little bit about like what do you what do you mean by that yeah so like um if you're gonna have goals like you need to know what your goals are reaching for kind of thing so you have to have a bigger picture like what is a healthy community and so how do we achieve that and kind of goes into the smart goals the specific measurable achievable um I forget the R and T right now, but just that whole idea of like you're working towards something intentionally and specifically. Um, and so like you were saying, like you need to know what a healthy community is if you're going to do that and, and kind of visualize that. And I so like when you go back with the who do you want to be or whatever, I start thinking of like what some small changes if I want to be healthy. OK, for me, that looks like I need to stop eating sugar or I might need to start working out. And I think making the healthy choice, the easy choice. So a lot of times uh, when in this work, people will just come to me and be like, hey, just tell the kids no. Just tell them don't use drugs. Give them a lot of information. Tell them all the reasons why they shouldn't. And then, boom, they're just going to have this epiphany and decide we're not going to use drugs. And that doesn't exactly work. Um, And one of the reasons, you know, they do, kids, young people do have a lot of willpower. And I mean, you and I have a lot of willpower. I walked in um, on Monday, I was like, I have willpower. I just have been through 21 days of not having sugar. I'm gonna just keep up that and only eat sugar on the weekends. But I walk into our office and we literally have boxes and boxes of delicious snacks for the students. But um, I, within half an hour, ate, two Oreos and not by like two Oreos like individual cookies I mean like two packages of Oreos and I ate uh animal cookies and by the way the animal cookies were more calories than both packs of Oreos I ate the entire thing um and I figured you know my goals are shot for this day so I'm just gonna eat whatever I want for the rest of the day which I definitely did um but then this morning I was driving to work and I was like man I have plenty of willpower, but if the snack is right there, I'm thinking about it. So first thing I did when I got in here this morning is I moved all the snacks to the locked closet that's gonna take a little bit extra work. And I kind of started thinking like, that's what we really uh, in prevention seek to do for our students is, you know, whatever's healthy, like I put my banana and my apple right on my desk and lock up the stuff that's not so good. And I know people say like, oh, isn't that, you know, a lot of work? Like, why should we have to do all this work? I mean, shouldn't you just have the willpower to say no to whatever it is? Well, yeah, I should, but, like, I don't know many humans that are, you know, that strong all the time. So, like, making the good choice, the the easy one. Yeah, and, like, we were talking about earlier, like, a lot of times the choices that you make are just habits and the whole idea Mm. of, like, a habit loop that, like, you eat cookies because you're stressed out and that's a cue for you. And so then you have a cue of stress or thinking about other things and so then you're trigger is to eat cookies and your reward is a sense of pleasure and so we were just talking about like you will always have the same cues the same things you're always going to have stress no matter what situation you're in so no matter what you struggle with for coping with that stress you'll still have a cue and you're still seeking a reward but what is the reward and what are you seeking to get from the action that you're doing so like eating cookies or eating bad food 
you're looking to be happy because you were stressed out and you weren't happy, but what is a different trigger? And that can be an easy way, like you were saying, like getting rid of the negative triggers and putting in those more positive ones. So that way, when that cue does come along, when you feel the need to do something that you know is not healthy for you, you know what the response is that you're searching for. So again, knowing your long-term goal and what you need to get there, what is the response you're looking for? And so what do you need to do to get that response? Yeah, sure. Normal idea. Yeah, and like creating some protect, I guess you could say protective factors, yeah. you know, for yourself, for your community, mm-hmm. you know, for your family. Like what are some positive things that we can do that are going to help, you know, when those negative things come up against us. And I started thinking about like, so with those little changes, you know, what are some things that I need to start doing this year? And I just wrote a list of like little things we start. And we tend to think like, okay, January 1st. All right, now it's February 1st. I failed at that. All right, we have to wait all the way till January 1st next year. Like It's just an arbitrary date. You can start whenever you want. Yeah, exactly. You can start midday if need be. Like, or right now while you're listening to the podcast. Like, take the whatever it is, the, you know snack that you just bought and give it away yeah. you know, to somebody Act else. Of kindness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to eat that or you don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think too, so having that list of little things that you need to start doing as a community, as an individual, um, and then um, thinking of a list of things that you might need to stop doing because it is impossible to do everything. Um, but there might be some things that your coalition or your community, or you as an individual, uh, really need to evaluate and say, is this really worth it? Like, I know one coalition, and they have this program they've done for years. So it's just a part of who they are. Um, They've always done this program. It's just what they do. But when they sat down to really evaluate, is it effective? Is it reaching, you know, the generation today? It definitely worked in the 80s, but it's not reaching the generation today and it was, it was really difficult to sit down and look at that because it's so special to so many people and they were so invested in this program that they decided to throw that out and not do it anymore. Pick up a new, um, actually they expanded on a different program that they had some success. And today they're so thankful that they took the guts and had the guts to, to you know quit doing what really wasn't working and improve the thing that was working. Yeah, and I feel like that goes back to what we were talking about before about you need to know what your end goal is and what your end game is and to see if your goals along the way are actually getting you there because if they're not, then what's the point in doing them really? It's just a waste of your time and energy that you could be using to actually be getting where you want to go. So true. We talked a little bit about, I think there's a myth out there. It says something like, oh, it's 21 days to break a habit. I looked into that a lot and it's not 21 days. Sorry, everybody. Uh, But it's closer to 60 days, Mm -hmm. um, even 70 days to just make some new things. And we talked a little bit about um, there's uh, the way the brain works and how the brain, you know, picture a cornfield and you have this path that you've been walking down. Let's say Maybe the path is you don't always speak so positive. And I, I've noticed that just in different cultures I've worked in, I'll go and I'll sit in like the break room or sit in like the teacher's room and just the conversation in some places has been really negative, but maybe that's just your kind of go-to, just, you know, you want to vent and whatever. There's, you're constantly talk negative and you decide, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to speak positively. I want to change the atmosphere. I want it to just, you know, start with me. But in order for you to do that, yes, you have to forge the new paths down the cornfield, which is a lot of work, you know, to forge a completely new path in the brain. 
but then you have to wait for these 60 or so days for that old pathway to grow back over so it becomes difficult to run down there. I mean, and every time you're making whatever pathway you're using stronger and stronger and stronger. So it, it is a massive amount of work for the brain to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But um, there are definitely things you can do to make it easier. And uh, one thing we were talking about today like, was just leading by example. So following people that are leading a good example, one. And then also leading by example yourself. And we talked about the idea that a lot of people are visual learners. Um, and so, like we were saying earlier, a lot of you know community members want to just spout facts off to children or youth or whatever and hope it sticks with them. But there's a lot more power in people observing what you do. Um, that whole idea, monkey see, monkey do. And so we actually had a guest speaker last week who did an interesting thing where he held up his hand and he said, all right, I want all of you to listen to what I say and do what I say. And he put his hand on his cheek and told us all to put our hand on our chin. And the whole audience did exactly what he did and not what he said. And we all put our hands on our cheek. And it was just a really powerful thing of you do what you see, not what somebody tells you. And so we were talking along those lines about visualization too and just how powerful it is for visualizing your own self and your own capabilities and what that can do for you too. But um, yeah, yeah, it was just a really powerful example of how what you do impacts other people more than what you say. It's so true. I actually <clears throat> was telling my family this the other day. I one of my older kids. I asked them to help my little guys. I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old. I said, hey, can you help the kids clean up? And she sat on the couch and just told them, hey, clean this up, do this. And I said, yeah, I did this demonstration, you know, put your hand on your cheek when I put my hand on my chin. Said, the little kids are going to do whatever you're doing. If you actually get down there and you pick up the toys with them, you'll get a lot more toys picked up than sitting there for 20 minutes, keep telling them to do it, and they're not doing it. And it goes with substance use, too. Like, I know a lot of people, and it is a touchy subject, but they'll say to their kids, you know, I don't want you to smoke like I'm smoking. I don't want you to drink like I'm drinking. I don't want you to do any of these things like I'm doing. Um, but the kids are really watching you, and they, they're taking their cues by what you do. And so some advice uh, we sometimes give is, like, what can you do to make this space healthier? Maybe you can't stop smoking today. Maybe you're struggling with that. You just can't just do that. But, like, can you make a decision that you're not going to smoke in the area where your kids are going to see you? Can you make some decisions, you know, that you're trying and, like, show the kids that, like, I, you know, I'm demonstrating some healthy behavior that I'm, I'm walking towards that. Yeah. Um, rather than just say, hey, don't do it. Yeah, and that's like going back to like having those small achievable goals. If you are having a difficult time quitting smoking, then maybe just smoking less. Smoking when your kids aren't around would be a small achievable goal for you so that you're just doing it less. And maybe next month it's not smoking when you're at work for the whole day. And, you know, before you know it, you've quit smoking. And that was your goal yeah, the whole okay. time. So it really is important to do those small little things. And I think another thing too, like going back to the visualization thing is like there's a lot of power in believing the best about yourself and believing that you're capable and doing the things that you are. Um, and I heard some interesting things about just how we were talking before. Most people are visual learners, and so they'll do what they see you doing. And likewise for yourself, you're probably a visual learner. Who knows? Um, but so it's beneficial to, to visualize yourself doing the things that you want to do. Um, I've heard some interesting studies about how your brain can't distinguish between reality and what you picture depending on how vividly you picture it. And if you use a lot of imagery and your other senses, you imagine your emotions in that moment. So it's more than just 
picturing yourself in a room, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of power in your brain not being able to determine the difference between reality and what you imagine. So same thing, like think about the things that are influencing you and the things that you're watching. If you're watching a lot of things where people are doing things that you don't want to be doing, your brain is picturing that that's you doing them. And so put yourself in a different environment. And maybe that's a small achievable goal for you where you're doing things that your friends are doing that you know are wrong. So stop hanging out with those friends. Or maybe you watch a show and that influences you. And every time you watch that show, you go and do that thing that you didn't want to do. Then don't watch that show anymore if that's what everyone on that show is doing, you know? If yeah. Those little things can make a big difference. I think that's interesting too because in, I used to minor in theater and they'd say like that's um, one of the things about somebody who's really great in theater is they completely immerse themselves in that visualization. So we had to do like all these techniques where we were acting out, you know, one scene, but we yeah. had to picture like what the character would wear, what they would think, where they went, what they ate for breakfast. I mean, yeah. the whole nine yards, we had to be the character only yeah. for that one little piece of acting. And they talked about how like really immersing yourselves in that, that there are characters that have a hard time separating from reality after they come off the set they still feel and believe in their you know so into that character and it's been a struggle for a lot of professional you know actors in some areas because they said like it's just a difficult thing to like separate from the world that they've immersed themselves into for so long so I, I would think it would be somewhat similar to some of that yeah and another interesting thing that just kind of relates to that um so your brain visualizes because it, it's making predictions for the future based on the world that you know and so uh your brain makes predictions and one of those predictions uh is actually your emotions so emotions are just your brain's predictions based on what's going to happen in your environment mm-hmm. so it let's say you have Again, going back to that habit loop, maybe your cue is that you get stressed out and that's an emotional response. Your emotion emotion is your brain's best guess at what you should be feeling because of what's going on around you. So if you can get good at visualizing and, and being prepared for that situation before it gets there, Your brain has already predicted that scenario because you've Mm -hmm. thought about it a lot beforehand and in realistic terms of how you're going to feel and how you're going to handle it. So when it comes to that moment, your brain thinks it's gone through it, that that's been its reality and it's prepared to handle it differently. So again, with like the habits, you're going to have the same cues, but you can change how your brain predicts those cues and expects them too. you know. So I'm going to predict tomorrow that I'm just not going to have any... uh issues with the cookies exactly predict <laughs> it right until we good to go <laughs> exactly yes um i hope that some of the things that we've talked about have helped uh everyone out there and um i hope that we continue to have these sort of bonus episodes and um we wish you guys all the best of luck at setting some of these little small goals and again if you have some ideas for the podcast or you just want to give us some feedback we would love to hear from you drop us a note or leave us a review that would be fantastic Um, and we appreciate all of you yeah thanks for listening for more information from today's podcast check out our show notes there you can find our contact information social media and website please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions and if you like today's podcast please share it with your friends thanks for listening